millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The makers of this podcast are perfectly fine people. Perfectly fine people occasionally swear, and this is going to be one of those times. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Reading Circle Temple. I'm Molly. I'm Mindy. I'm Brittany. And I'm Goodwin. And today we're talking to Joan Cummins and Rebecca Spees from the Tortallon Nights Emelon Days podcast. So grab your cup of coffee. Or tea. Or your drink of choice. And let's open the circle. All right. Yay! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much for coming. Like I said, I'm I'm trying not to fangirl. <laughs> I'm actually, I, I am actually really glad this happened after months of yay. <laughs> Sending our voices into the ether because we have no idea what we're doing. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> you know, you got to start somewhere. I think Joan and I had the idea for our podcast and then we just kept saying like, that would be a cool idea for like a year and a half. And then we did nothing about it for a year. <laughs> yeah. And then finally we we're like, should we just like do that? And we then once you've done do episode it. one and told people the next one will come out in two weeks, you really do have to do the second one. <laughs> yeah. You- yeah. They're holding you accountable. Exactly. <laughs> I heard that the average is nine episodes. So if you get past nine episodes, then you're already ahead. We're almost done with book three. So, hey, yeah. Nice. So how about you two tell us who you are and tell us a little bit more about your podcast and how you got into it? Sure. So my name, we don't need to go over that again. My name's Joan. Still, (laughs) It still is. That would have been hard to keep track of. (laughs) And I am a theater artist and a historian. And Spees and I have known each other for over a decade at this point. And part of how our friendship was cemented was the fact that we were both really affected by these books as kiddos. I think Tamara Pierce more generally, though Circle of Magic is absolutely in that category. And we started our show just over two years ago and have been reading Every single Tamara Pierce book in publication order. Y'all do one episode a chapter. We do one episode per book. 
I'm Rebecca or Spees, either one. And I am an actor. I'm a director. And as of a month ago, a very amateur printmaker. That's been my quarantine hobby. Um, But I'm owning it. So, And I'm also an independent bookseller. I work at an indie bookstore in my community. And yeah, like Joan said, you know, we've known each other for a very long time now. We're as ancient as the sea. So much of our friendship has been cemented and continued through our love of books. And initially the Tamar Pierce books. And yeah. I was going to say, I think part of what we are, have been enjoying about working on the show is finding that sense of community among the two of us, but then Mm -hmm. also among other folks who have heard the show and read the books and are just excited to be discussing them. That's part of what has been cool for us about doing this. Yeah, hundred percent. And like people that you wouldn't even have known otherwise come out of the woodwork and are like, Oh, I loved those books or I want to talk about them. Yeah. Yeah. How did you two each discover Tamara Pierce? This is a great question. I have a very vivid memory of the first day of sixth grade. The girl I sat next to in English class or language arts or whatever they called it in sixth grade. And she was reading Wild Magic, one of Tamara Pierce's Tortal books. And it was the 90s cover. So it's like this illustration of a girl on horseback and there's a badger hanging out and she's got like a hawk. I think that's the cover I have. Yeah, I like went back and collected all of the 90s covers for nostalgic purposes. But she was reading this book and I was like, oh, that looks really cool. Like, what's it about? And she told me and she's like, do you want to borrow it after I'm done? And I was like, yes, I would. And then it was all over for me at that point, because (laughs) then I was obsessed and I read all of the Wild Magic books. I went back and read all of her earlier books and just that was it for me. So first day of sixth grade, shout out to my friend Anna, who I'm still friends with, sitting next to me in sixth grade. Not the Anna who does the other Tamara Pierce podcast, is it? No, no, it is not. That would be wild, though. (laughs) I was secretly hopeful. (laughs) And for me, I read Alana the First Adventure at age probably 10 and went gung-ho from there I am the kind of person who once I discovered a book that I liked went back to the library and checked out everything I could get my hands on with that author's name on it mm-hmm. the exact circumstances of reading Alana the First Adventure are lost in a uh, memory hole due to some other stuff that was happening to me the misty at that point in my life. Of time <laughs> but as Spies likes to say my number one trope since 1998 is girls <laughs> who dress up as boys in order to do something that matters to them <laughs> Did you ever read Writing Freedom as a kid about Charlie Parkhurst? Before we go any further, do you guys swear on your show? Yeah, yes. yeah. All, the all the time. Okay, okay great. <laughs> then hell yes, I read that book about Charlie Parkhurst. <laughs> I did a report on that book in eighth grade because... Yeah. There's also this whole elaborate series about this girl who dresses up as a boy in order to become a pirate. I read all of those. Oh, uh, Celia Reed. Oh, is that the... yes. Well, there's a Celia Reese, but there's also the Jackie Faber ones. It's oh, Jackie. Yeah, yeah. Bloody Jack is what Bloody it's Jack. called. Bloody Jack. Yes. Oh, my God. Things. I haven't thought about that in a hot minute. Oh, As that's you can awesome. see, it's deeply rooted. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
both started with the Tortal books. In our introductory episode, I talked about how I got into the Circle of Magic, and my first Tamara Pierce book actually was Wild Magic, <laughs> and I never finished it. And then I started reading Circle of Magic, and like that was it. And I didn't really care as much about Tortal. Fascinating, uh, because I love the Emelon babies so much. In fact, mm. for a while, I didn't read any of the Tortal books because. I was afraid I wouldn't like them as much as mm. I like Circle. And I was like, I don't want to be disappointed by this author. Mm. I love these books so much. <laughs> so literally, I wrote down, like, contrast Emelon and Tortal. So I don't know exactly where I'm headed with this. But I feel like since you talk about both series on your podcast, we should take a moment to acknowledge that Tamara Pierce has two series. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of different. Yeah. yeah, they're very different. And this was something that we encountered, I think, very much off the bat with our show, where we read all of the Tortal books first, and then we moved into Emelon. And for me, I find reading the Emelon books at once very comforting and also kind of frustrating, because they are much more focused on the characters and the characters' internal growth over the course of the series Ziz, the multiple series, and them coming to terms with their power and their craft and all of those things, which as an adult, I found much more enjoyable to read about than I did when I was 13. And I was like, no, I want them to hit them with a sword. Where are the spears? What's (laughs) happening? But it's something that I've grown to appreciate a little bit more as I've gotten older. While there is magic in all of the Tortle series, the Emelon books are about magic. Mm-hmm. In a way that the Tortle books are not really. I also think the Emelon books, especially this very first Circle of Magic Quartet, have this really strong found family dynamic that is like total crack once you're hooked on it, right? I think this is getting ahead of where you guys are reading, but the subsequent books in the Emelon series for me didn't hook me quite as strongly because the four kiddos are separated from each other for nearly all of those stories. And so I was like, but where, what, (laughs) but I think that's sort of interesting structurally, right? Whereas the Tortle books take place chronologically in the same universe and the protagonists from earlier stories appear in later stories. So they're sort of more like a family tree structure, connected dots to each other. And the Emelon books feel more spread out to me. Mm. I think yeah. one thing that we, I remember talking about was that also aesthetically, they're kind of different. Tortal is very like, medieval fantasy western europe we took it and kind of uprooted it and put it in this fantasy realm and then i like to say that if tortal is medieval then emelon is kind of the renaissance there's a little bit more focus on the why and the hows of the magic and And there's like merchant families and like a mediterranean setting Mm -hmm. and like nobility but we're not doing any jousting (laughs) there's a lot of trading happening tariffs are mentioned more than once i'm like okay (laughs) yeah i do enjoy it though you know that is fantasy marco polo to show up right oh my god yes i was trying so hard while reading these books to figure out exactly what time period this was taking place in because a lot of it seemed just barely pre-industrial 
mm-hmm. talking about like greenhouses and stuff, lightning rods and all that. And Renaissance Mediterranean is perfect. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And there's like trade states and like city states, little micro nations and like politically. It's and very everyone's worried about the plague. Yeah. Everyone's worried about the plague. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jesus. It's pretty on the nose when you think about it just yeah. To, be yeah. Able to get there. But yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think the Tortal books are a little bit more swashbuckly also, like really cool, exciting things happen in the Amelon books, but it's much more about placing the characters in those situations as opposed to like, there's gods coming down from the heavens and there's a war on and we have to go to war, which I think is also really interesting that there's a little bit more swash and a little bit more buckle. Well, and I would say like the Amelon kids find themselves in situations where they need to save the environment that they're in or like the people that they're with, Mm -hmm. but they very rarely find themselves in a situation where they are saving the world, Mm -hmm. which happens more than once in the (laughs) portal universe. Yeah. Um, I think I posted this on the chorus line Facebook group, which is y'all's Facebook group. Yeah. But chorus without the age. Like chorus without the age. Yes. <laughs> chorus Chorus line the age. is the best joke I've ever written. Like <laughs> I, it's only downhill from here. I like. I love it so much. <laughs> I think it's so perfect because anybody who has read any Tortal book will recognize it immediately. <laughs> so for me, what I really liked about the Emelon books was in fact the mundanity. Mm. because there was something more relatable to me about these kids who were just sort of living their lives rather than I have been sent on this quest by this God to go save the world. Mm -hmm. And I realized rereading them just how mundane they are because for the most part in the Circle of Magic books, they pray to gods and they talk about gods, but the gods don't show up or send them on quests. Whereas in Tortal, you constantly have the goddess coming down or the cat or mm. the badger god. The black god. <laughs> the black god of death, yeah. I love the black god and I love that Becca is his chosen. And <laughs> my roommate and I literally argued, I just got a cat. It's a black cat. And we fought over whether to name him Faithful or to name him Pounce. Amazing. <laughs> unilaterally the better name so <laughs> it's like we're naming him pounce because it's I, much better yes. and becca <laughs> i realized also i really like coming of age stories and i think i always liked coming of age stories but mm. i also like fantasy and the circle of magic series is about the only place i've really seen those two things join well most mm. of the time when you read fantasy it is that swashbuckly epic go save the world fantasy I have nothing against that. I really like that too. Mm-hmm. I've just always, since I was a kid, been like, I wonder what it would be like if it was just normal people in a world where magic also existed. Doing mm-hmm. normal things. Have you read any Juliet Morillier? I have not. She does the homey coming of age fantasy very well she's a very old pleasant new zealand lady but she writes these old-fashioned high fantasy but they're very steeped in like irish folklore there is magic the fae and the she show up and it's very celtic inspired but the ones that i read the blackthorn and grim 
books. The main character is a wise woman. She makes herbal poultices and does fantasy herb things that I'm sure have some basis in reality, but I don't know shit about herbs. So I'm kind of curious for Goodwin and Brittany, who have not read these books before, how do they fit into the landscape of the fantasy you guys have read or other things you like to read? The fantasy that I enjoy, and really it's probably my favorite book series of all time, has to be the Emberverse series by S.M. Sterling. Mm. And it has magic in it. That one's sort of post-apocalyptic. Oh, technology stopped working, but now magic's back. <laughs> but the magic is sort of based on faith, which is a little different from this. The magic in the Amalon book seems to be like a more natural force that these kids can kind of reach into and tap into. Meanwhile, their magic is kind of based on basically belief in a deity. It's definitely a little different, but they're both relatively based on people in real situations and just them kind of doing the best that they can to make it through. I've been enjoying it a lot. Because uh, it's kind of right up my alley on what I like, at least for stuff that isn't sci-fi. For fantasy, it's right up my alley. Awesome. My favorite that I read, probably Brandon Sanderson. I enjoy a lot of the stuff that he writes. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed the Mistborn trilogy. I really enjoy fantasy and things with magic in it. And this series obviously has both of those as well. So <laughs> I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I think about a month ago, Tamara Pierce and Brandon Sanderson did an interview together with some organization, but I believe it is on YouTube somewhere. I will try and track it down for you. That would be awesome. It was a pretty cool interview. What a person Tammy is. (laughs) Right? Right? (laughs) I've seen her talk a couple of times, and every time you have to be on your toes, because you don't entirely know whatever is going to come out of her mouth. And I'm like, this is delightful. (laughs) Definitely a fun person. (laughs) Yeah. I would like to know her in real life, I think. (laughs) I had a friend who randomly texted me one day and said, what's your favorite Tamara Pierce book? And I was like, The Little of the Empress. And she's like, okay, that's what I thought. Just wanted to be sure. What? Cool, great. Not cryptic at all. And uh, about a month later, I got a signed copy of The Will of the Empress. Oh, yay. That's a classic shopping question where you're like, what size are you again? (laughs) No reason. Because she lived in Phoenix and Samara Pierce had come and done a reading in Phoenix. And the two of us, we've known each other for about a decade and mm. met in college and like within five minutes we had learned that we were both Tamara Pierce fans and that was it and so she got me a copy of my favorite Tamara Pierce book autographed and it was very exciting amazing super cool uh, <laughs> I believe one of you two was the one who had Squire autographed twice or was that yeah it was Joan it was I <laughs> I was present to also get Squire signed, but I had not previously gotten Squire signed. So, <laughs> uh, luckily, well, we were in the back of that signing line, though, so we could figure it, like, figure out what to do. It's clear that you really like that book. It's true. 
that's what was sort of hilarious in retrospect about it was that both times I had decided that if I had the opportunity to get one signed, it was going to be this one. Honestly, I think that's a really good choice. Squire's probably my favorite from that quartet. And Mm. that's one of my favorite quartets in the Tortal. And at the time, I did not own a copy of Alana, the first adventure, Um, again, because I was a library maniac. So I didn't own a copy of that book until like a year ago, (laughs) at which point I was like, I really need to get on this. I remember it was when we were recording at some point. I think we'd already recorded the Alana episodes, but you're like, I should maybe own these books. (laughs) Right. Honestly, that's essentially how it happened with me with the Circle of Magic. When I first bought them, I bought Sandry's book first because it was the first book. And I brought Briar's book because even though I hadn't read the series yet, Briar was already my favorite character. (laughs) (laughs) And and so I did not read the first eight books in order at all the first time I read them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I checked all the others out of the library. I eventually gave those two books away, but in college, a friend of mine bought me Sandry's book and Briar's book the same two reasons. Amazing. And so for a long time, those were the only ones I had. And when we started this podcast, I went, hmm, maybe I should <laughs> buy these. I should maybe have a copy. Which is a good thing because they're getting harder to find, which is sad. Yeah. I'm, How long have they been out of print? It depends. So the Circle Opens Quartet has been out of print the longest because they're the weirdest ones, <laughs> I would say. Yeah, um, it- they're they're written in like mm, 2001 2002 maybe mm-hmm. because they're not the starting point and all of them could be standalones but they're not they're in kind of a weird place in terms of marketing them i think yeah and they were also being published at the same time as some of her tortal books which i think was a splashier release yeah that scholastic also who published the Circle of Magic books, they're very frontless forward on their titles. So they're like, okay, cool. We've got new books coming out in the fall. We got new books coming out in the spring. The scholastic ones are harder to find. Also, they're like kind of gory murder mysteries written for young teenagers, which is pretty... And not like YA or middle grade. It's like preteens, which is the hardest, as a bookseller, it is the hardest age group to market for. Mm-hmm. because we, you have 12 year olds who read like 18 year olds and then you also have 12 year olds who read like nine, nine or ten year olds which yeah. all is great but it's very difficult sometimes to to hit that sweet spot i think but yeah they're very gory also and i think we've turned Brittany off of those <laughs> They're like gory. Gory. it's gonna be great yeah they're like gory for books written for 12 year olds written in the early 2000s like it's not like a scandy thriller yeah no 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 yeah. joe nesbo stuff yeah i should be able to handle that yeah i'll be okay <laughs> i think you'll be fine i just saw that look and i know you well enough Both of you are, again, more interested in the Tortal series or whereas kids, you're more familiar with them. But do you have favorite books within the Circle of Magic or within the whole Emelon universe canon? 
So I had to think about this question, and I think my favorite of the Circle of Magic books is probably Daja's book. I think by that point in the series, we've gotten the introductions out of the way. She had her feet under her with the characters and the character arcs and all of that good stuff. I like Triss's book also, but I think Daja's is my favorite. But I think my favorite Emelon book overall is Cold Fire, which is Daja's entry in the Circle Opens books. So I think that one also benefits from she had a couple books in that series under her belt. The characters are really awesome. The setting is really cool. The mystery that she's trying to solve is really exciting. Yeah, so I think my favorites are Daja's book and Cold Fire. I'm going to second that motion. I think I'm kind of in in the same place. I think the themes in Daja's book around reconciliation are really cool. And I think, like Spies said, the setting of Cold Fire is just awesome. It's like an arson investigation in a frozen city. Extremely cool. It's very cool. Um, and I think Daja's... I really admire her steadiness and the process of her growth over the course of what we see happen to her in the books. Mm-hmm. I know Brittany is very much going to connect with Frostpine in that. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I love Frostpine. He's so great. Yes. I also hate being cold with the fiery, flaming passion. <laughs> I'm from the South. I'm from North Carolina. I do not do cold. <laughs> I do not do cold. Who are your favorite characters in this? Are we doing all of Emelon first four? What's the parameters? Uh, let's go ahead and say all of Emelon. I know that Brittany and Goodwin will be a little lost, but I'm curious. <laughs> I mean, I do love Frostpine. I think within the four kids, I think... When I was younger, it was probably Briar. As I've gotten older, when I've revisited the books, I think Triss is both my favorite and my least favorite at times. I see so much of myself in Triss in good ways, but then also like when she's being a real pain in the ass. And I'm like, oh my God, child. (laughs) Just like do the thing, please. (laughs) But yeah, I love Triss. I love Frostpine. There's a character you meet in cold fire named Taluda salt who is pretty great yeah those are the ones that like immediately popped into my head see i want to give goodwin and Brittany things to look forward to yeah cold yeah. fire is gonna be great <laughs> can't wait i would say among the four kids i have to pick daja of the four of them i also really like rose thorn And while it's pretty complicated and continues to get more complicated, I think the relationship between Rosethorn and Briar is really cool and really fascinating. I don't know. Duke Fedris is pretty cool. Duke Fedris is great. Um, What a G. Yeah. (laughs) He's got just so much swag. I know. It's undeniable. Oh, my God. He's so cool. He just he shows up in a room and he's like, all right, listen, guys, I know I'm very important. We're going to do the business. We can have some wine and then we're going to go feast. It's going to be great. Just the chillest uncle. He's like, hello, Sandry. I know that lots of other people have told you you should do this or do that or do this other thing with your life. But honestly, I'm just glad you're safe. (laughs) Yeah. Like you do, babes. (laughs) He's also really supportive 
of the other three kids. I know that we don't see those interactions as much as his interactions with Sandry, but mm. when we do, he's just like, my niece, who's practically royalty, has befriended a merchant, a trader, and a thief. I'm totally down with this. It's like, and I also chill. support their life goals. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so, well, yeah. Sandry likes them, so obviously they're cool. Yeah. Spies and I are deathly curious about what y'all's Kirill drama is because <laughs> we don't really understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you sent us the questions and it was like, some of the hosts have very strong feelings about Kirill. We might have to okay. keep it quickly. And I was like, I don't, I love him. He's like himbo central. Like, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> He just wants to do a good job and also, like, learn from Frostbine and take care of these kids that have a lot more magic than he does. He was not in this. He was not ready. Brittany Goodwin, would one of you like to explain? He is objectively the worst character I have ever seen in the written language. Yes. And I mean that wholeheartedly and without reservation. Like the I way mean, that I'm he's gonna need some more details. <laughs> yeah, like the, way, like the way that he's written, or like the way that he interacts with the he, world. He, like he's just a terrible person, and I I'm glad he's not real, or else I would punch him in the face. Yes, I don't understand. He's just See, a bad person. I, I just we we just. I was I was terrible. telling Joan I was like, did Carol do something in one of these books that we forgot about? Does he like punch okay. a baby or something? Literally, all their argument could be summed up. Okay, in the scene in which Daja grabs uh, what was no, it? Red iron? hot iron. She oh yeah, hot iron. iron. Yeah, and, and he like freaks and out he a little bit, flips the fuck out. It's like to be what. Fair, the- I would too. <laughs> right? And You're like, okay, this so- child just grabbed a red hot poker. <laughs> and their argument is well, he works with Frostpine and uh-huh. he sees it all the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. But as stated in the book, he is possibly mm-hmm. the best Smith mage in the world mm-hmm. and has this just that that's part of his magic. That's what he's a capable of. I just feel like. As a person who myself has in the moment failed to make a connection I should have been able to make, <laughs> I don't think that is a reason to throw Carol <laughs> under the bus. Because, okay. I mean, I will Cou- say counter- that, like, <laughs> you know. Counterpoint, he is uh, bad. You keep saying that, and then you don't say anything after that. And so I'm yeah. not really following you. Another okay. thing is whenever sh- they're... Frostpine is trying to get her to uh, feel the uh, metals under cloth or whatever. And Carol is like, let me play too. Carol, no one's talking to you. Get out of here. Stop being jealous. Get the fuck out of here. No one's talking to you. You're ju- you know, there's no accounting for personal reactions to characters. If you ever read the Tortal books, there is a character that I very much dislike in one of the series that I have ranted and raved about. Joan knows this about me. And some people, he's their favorite. And I'm like, I don't understand. It's Nawat. It's the goddamn crow man. And I'm like, what is happening? I love Nawat. I think he's adorable. See, exactly. (laughs) 
So okay. just to clarify, so what my, I'm hearing from you guys mm-hmm. is that you feel like Kirill is slightly useless and is up in Frostpine and Dodge's business when he should really just leave and be somewhere else. Basically, yes. Okay. <laughs> Here's the I, thing. I love that he's useless. Yeah, that's the You're best like, part. Look at this idiot. He's so cute. <laughs> No. Tris is like, put some sunscreen on, white boy. Like, come on. <laughs> the only scene that I really liked with him in it is when he's being harassed by Rose Thorn whenever he's carrying her in. <laughs> Hilarious. Okay, that is but delightful. listen. Rose Thorn's like, I see that you have large muscles. Please do exactly what I say and then leave. It's hilarious. <laughs> the Rose Thorn special. <laughs> <laughs> I am a huge fan of that one useless character. And like, I feel he's trying his best. I feel personally, he is, he's trying his best. And all of a sudden now he has to share. <laughs> we don't know how long he's been under frostbine. And we do know that if he has any magic, it is very, very slight mm-hmm. it, up to the point. It's not mentioned. So we don't know how long he's been under there. We don't exactly know what his relationship to magic itself is. Do we know if he's a temple dedicate? Is he planning to become a priest? He's a novice. Okay, yeah. The scene where he's introduced, she specifies that he's wearing novice's robes. Really cute. So <laughs> he's so like, it is like counterpoint. He's real I would cute. like to dedicate my life to the greater good. <laughs> he tries. He's I a He's doing his best. He yeah. is absolutely, as you stated earlier, complete, useless, adorable himbo central. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you know, this clarifies it. This does, okay, I can see where we're coming from. The Kirill drama is much more better explained now. Because Jonah and I were literally like, I swear to God, did he like punch a baby and I forgot? Like, what happened? <laughs> No, it's just we disagree on the meaning of his uselessness, which is cool, which is fine. That's great. Yeah. I I just had to ask because I honestly think Brittany and Goodwin are the only people in the fandom I have met who actively dislike Kirell. There are people who just don't care, but (laughs) they're the first people I've met who are like, no, Kirell is a bad person. I like Yaren more than Kirell. Yeah, no, that's what Brittany said. Brittany has said it on record that she likes Yaren better than she likes Kirell. You know what I do respect? Everybody needs a hill to die on. We have hours, literal hours of their rants <laughs> about Kirell that I'm has gone that on. I'm glad you feel passionate about it, though. <laughs> like, Goodwin is like, I do feel very passionate and I will... I will I will uh, let this... you know. To be entirely honest, I'm just on this side because of the reactions. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That, that's it. That's, <laughs> that's it. what I mean. You've chosen a hill. <laughs> and this is it. this is regardless of how perish. regardless of how stupid of a hill it is. Uh, <laughs> you know, we've all got those hills, man. <laughs> yeah. I've I just I've, of them. We have had like complete utter breakdowns of converse <laughs> like our podcast episodes have been completely derailed with these arguments i think that Brittany is the one that started goodwin 
on this Hayden Carell thing. I think he literally just jumped on it because Brittany was by herself against me and Molly. And Brittany is like, and I'll do it again. You gotta even it out. I honestly can take or leave him, but I think he's (laughs) adorable in a useless sense. Like, Girl's honor is being defended <laughs> against the naysayers. Completely useless. <laughs> but he's precious. And he deserves to be treated with respect. Brittany, I'm looking at you. No. <laughs> I honestly picture him as kind of a big brother figure to Daja. He's been through some mm. of this before. And I really wish we had... The scene where Daja's like, I'm so sick of making nails. And Carell's just, oh, yeah, I remember yeah. having to do that. Yeah. Doesn't it suck when Frostpine does X, Y, Z and they just bitch together? Because <laughs> no, it would happen. <laughs> okay, thank you for opening this now wound. We understand. Now we understand. <laughs> yeah, it is a huge, huge thing on our uh, one of the uh, reasons why I think Brittany and Goodwin both like this book is because Carell is not in it at all. <laughs> yeah, because Gorse is not in this book, and I love Gorse. Gorse yeah. is great. I love Gorse characters that feed other great. characters. I was going to say, I think yes. we had Gorse in the running for MVP for us. I feel like we did, yeah. Yeah. I love Gorse so much. Yeah. He's my number one. I, I relate to him uh, immensely as the other... <laughs> three here can tell he's the one who feeds us when we go like hang out because we used to do role-playing games um Mm. meet up at a house and we just bullshit play rpgs and goodwin's the one who cooks for us and molly's but have you had for us amazing (laughs) we we were constantly fed both (laughs) really good food and really good sweets Uh, so the dream all I contribute is tea. <laughs> An I important component. Appetite. <laughs> I would love to take a cake decorating course from Gorse. Oh, yeah. I would love to take any class from Gorse. I imagine he would be a really fun teacher. Yeah. Do y'all have any characters that you actively dislike? <laughs> Amory. Yeah, Amory is probably the worst. Triss's dipshit cousin. Yeah. For me, I'm like, you do not get to emotionally manipulate children in order to make yourself rich. That's really a low <laughs> low on that. So he can get wrecked as far as I'm concerned. And he well, sure did. He got exploded by pirates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right um, after he punched Triss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I forgot that he, he punched, punched her. a child and then yeah. immediately died after. Which yeah. I feel should be like law. I, yeah. You punch a child. Guess what? You're dead now. So. Yeah. Amory. Unless you are also a child. Uh, okay, it's yeah, more that complicated. doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. If you're an adult and yeah, yeah, you're a child, <laughs> you die. That's it. Oh, Amory's pretty bad. This is a spoiler, so sorry. All the various murderers. <laughs> no, I was going to say the person who deals all the medicine. Oh, oh Bri- yeah. yeah. In Briar's um, book. I forget their name. Yeah. And then, you know, the Empress is pretty terrible. 
also. I don't like hate her though. I think yeah. she's a very interesting character. And I can see where she is coming from, even no. if those like it's from it's Will and the, the Empress. Dude. It's the it's dude. Finn, it's the, the guy fucking who white is voice after Sandry. Finn and Jack. Oh, those yeah. assholes. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> them. Yep. Amory is probably mine from Emelon. Yeah, he's an asshole. It's true. But Britney still likes him more than she likes Carell. <laughs> I think at that at this point, that's just on principle. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else that you wish you knew about the universe or could see the characters doing? I need a coherent map yeah. of the space. The like, whole the Because in Circle Opens, they go to all these other places and I'm like, but where is <laughs> Where that? are they? How long did yes. it take them to get there? I would love that information. Also, I think Spies and I talked about this in our episode about it, but especially towards the end of the Emelon books, we start to get some locations that really clearly map onto real world locations. Yeah. And I'm like, that feels like it was on purpose, but how is that in relationship to these other places? So I would love sort of that information. I want to know how Rosethorn and Lark met. Yes. There's actually actually a thing. It's on her website. Okay. But like, you know, <laughs> the whole story, not just the like, oh, this is how it happened. Like, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, please. Like, and I just feel like I feel like there's this whole process because so many of the people that we meet in the Emelon books are dedicates of Winding Circle Temple. And I'm like, that's a serious life commitment. Right. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I'm really curious about what that process is and what leads people to make that choice for their life. Yeah, and it's really clear from people like Lark, who have lived very full, complicated, multi, or, uh, you know, multifaceted lives. What is that turning point that then leads them to say, yes, I want to dedicate the rest of my life to this religion, to this ethos, whatever. I think for me, I have always wanted to see more of the students In the later series, when the four kiddos get their own students, obviously we follow Evie, Briar's student, through many more books, but we don't ever really see the three girls as students. And I always wanted more from them because I think Tamara Pierce does a really good job of finding students that contrast Briar, Sandry, Tris, and Daja's characters and strengths. So it's like Daja's a very steadfast kind of person, and so she... Her students are very kind of all over the place and like very different from each other. So yeah, I always wanted more of that. And if you ever listen to any of our MLN episodes, you will know that eventually the magic just goes beyond my ken. And I'm like, I don't understand how any of this works anymore. Please explain. (laughs) But that is another thing that I have ranted and raved about. And I don't think Joan understands my disconnect but i i understand it i just don't feel the same way (laughs) and this is kind of where i'm at on the geography right where i'm like okay so you said that she went south but the place that you described is an analogy for greece which is not south of italy where it sounds like they are before now (laughs) please explain are you doing and it could be ancient carthage i don't know but again like 
Goodwin and Brittany know what I'm talking about. There's a bunch of books later in Amelon that are really clearly set in real world Tibet slash Nepal. And then, you know, one that's like maybe sort of ancient Baghdad kind of vibes. Alexandria. Yeah. So I'm like, this seems way closer to real world geography than most fantasy series are. But it kind of also seems like you did that by accident a little bit. Or just, it's, like, put them wherever in Amelon, and it's like, I don't know where any of these places are. Yeah. yeah. And Tortal has a little bit of that as well, but it's less ethereal because there is a map yeah. where everything is. Yeah. And so I I'm feel a, like... I'm a visual person, y'all. <laughs> I like seeing well, things. And I feel like for Tortal, there is a slightly better blending of fantasy elements and cultural elements so that they are less clearly a real world analog um, than they are in the Amelon stories, with the possible exception of the Yamanis, who are yeah, or just, just straight sort Japan. Of Japanese people. And you're it's like, just, okay. It's Japan with the names, serial numbers filed off. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> Tammy. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's not that I am like, how does she not understand the magic system? But... I guess it's, it's amusing that you have the issues with the magic system because these were some of the first books that really got me into fantasy. Mm-hmm. So 
there are a lot of traces. Like I feel like anybody who reads my fiction and is familiar with Pierce in general and Circle in, in particular mm-hmm. recognizes it immediately like ah you read these books as a kid mm-hmm. it like starts off very clear cut and very like I get it I get the ambient magic it comes from the things around you not from inside yourself it's in the later books when that distinction between academic magic and ambient magic start weaving in and out of each other and like suddenly all of the kids get super powerful and like all of these extra superpowers that make a little bit more of a leap than my brain is willing to do but it doesn't usually hinder my reading of it usually I'm just like okay some magic stuff is happening cool I think because I read them so early and because I hadn't read a lot of other fantasy books for me it was just kind of like this is how magic works. Yeah. <laughs> it sort of got solidified. You, like, you always yeah. remember your first magic system. Yeah. But I was going to say, it feels like a baseline yeah. to you. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. I'm the one with the weird magic system that is uh, Salvatore. That, that is my introduction to magic system. So that just, I, I have a weird baseline. <laughs> this is normal. Comparatively. Yeah. My original magic system is like yelling fireball and your MP bar goes down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I hit the button and it does magic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Me through a hundred hours of Dragon Age. It's just like, just do the thing. (laughs) I have to wait for the cooldown to finish. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I'm sorry. I need to take a nap before I can cast again. I would really love to read a book that worked like that. that, Yeah. I mean, doesn't it work like that? I feel like Tamara Pierce works like that all the time. Tris is like, I tried to hold back the tides. Next stop, naps. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Spoiler alert, didn't work. (laughs) Feed me all the food. The next time you have to take two naps. Right. Rosa and Briar are like, we fought all the pirates. Next stop. Naps. Nap time. <laughs> I don't remember what book this gets mentioned in, but it's not a big spoiler. I would really like to see the scene where they all got drunk. Oh, yeah. Where they're like, yeah, they all tried getting drunk when they were like 13 and it was terrible. I'm like, girl, same. <laughs> like, just like a mention that this happened and I wish that scene was written down somewhere. Yeah. You know, this girl, she has the power of the volcano and she got wasted. <laughs> like... No thank you. Great idea. No thank you. What could go wrong? We also feel like there is a level of accumulated trauma among this group of four people that means a loss of inhibitions can be pretty scary in multiple ways. Did you mean the kids or us? (laughs) I mean, I was speaking about the children. (laughs) Listen, Jonas heard me have a meltdown on, on Mike from just like being so tired that I'm like listen I don't care what the people think I care about Nawat I don't (laughs) well and there was that one time that we all cried oh god Mm -hmm. sometimes you gotta cry man I think that almost happened on our last episode too yeah Goodwin had to run away before he started crying I'm like I'm I'm gonna go before I start crying wait about Dasha Yeah, the first time I think was either chapter one or chapter two of Dasha's book. 
And we all just burst into tears because there were already so many feels and now there are even more feels. Yeah. Yeah, that's real. The fact that we go so in depth into each chapter and pull stuff from our own lives into it and kind of incorporate what we've read with that. There's been a lot of extenuating circumstances going on and reading Daja's book and having a lot of those feelings that she has in the very beginning, just we all had that same feeling. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. I think when we started our podcast 10 million years ago now, I was like, (laughs) you know, I was expecting going in being like, yeah, okay, these books are important. We can dig into the how we're feeling about them now when we were kids. And there have been those episodes where I'm like, oh, damn, am I crying? What's happening? Like, why am I having emotions? I'm a grown woman. And I'm sitting here, like, crying about a book that came out in the 80s. I'm like, you know what? It's fine. But she just loves him so much. She just loves him. Miles is such a good dad. Uh (laughs) Yeah, uh... that's real. That's happened many a time. I really liked the comment. I think this was on y'all's podcast from a fan that the fathers chronologically get better. Oh, and they start so yeah. good. Because oh, we have, um, has no dad. Alana has an absent dad. Kel has a good dad. And Allie has a George motherfucking Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> I skipped Dane, but. Her Dane's dad is a Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think one of the things that has been fun about talking about these, like Spee said, is that every time you read it, you discover a resonance to whatever is happening to you in that moment. Um, and that is fun and exciting and also where the unexpected stuff comes in. Like there's stuff when I read these again, where I know I get to the this part of this book and it's going to get to me because it always gets to me. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's also different parts where I'm like, whoa. I have read that scene before, but today, reading Breyer's book in 2004 is very different from reading Breyer's book in April of 2020, which is when we we did the episode. When we started the podcast, I was like, I'm going to read the whole book and then go back and read individual chapters throughout the whole thing. But I'm not going to go any further than that. And then one night I couldn't sleep and I started Dodge's book and I was like, okay, we were halfway through Triss's book. I was like, okay, gonna read Daj's book. Had some failings, and I was like, I'm not ready, but let's open Briar's book. I think I texted Molly when I got to, this is spoiler, they don't know, when I got to that scene, mm. and I was just bawling. Like, I mean, literally, I, I just sobbing uncontrollably. And yeah. then... I reread Dasha's book and made all my notes and stuff on it and read it kind of every week to keep skim over it and make sure that mm-hmm. I'm up with it. I started to do that with Briar's book. And I was like, okay, I need to know exactly where that happens so I won't read that at work. Yeah. <laughs> I got to like two sentences and I was like, fuck, I'm in it now. <laughs> I didn't read that specific scene mm-hmm. but I got to a certain part and I'm just like at work crying this is what and I didn't want to do 
Yeah, but here I am. It's one of those things that, like, reading them this year in particular and reading them at different times in your life, it's one of those things where you don't, like Joan was saying, it's that there's always something different that will resonate with you. And then sometimes it's just, like, this year in particular, it was been really surreal reading these books that were written almost 20 years ago in some cases the things that Tamara Pierce was writing in 1999 2000 2001 sometimes a sentence or a paragraph or a thought will just come out of the page and like punch you in the face and just be like everything has changed and nothing has changed there's always something that is happening in the world that you can find in these books which I think meant, one, that there was a lot of feelings, (laughs) two, that it was very surreal sometimes to be talking about this in a fantastical setting and then turn on the news and have it happening (laughs) in real life, which has been a roller coaster. (laughs) We were actually discussing it. So pretty much everything that has gone on in the books has happened this year, more or less. Because we were reading for the pirates. <laughs> yeah, where we are the pirates? For the pirates. Where are the pirates? <laughs> Let's do this right. Get me yeah. some fucking pirates. Get them all. Y'all are almost at the end of Dasha's book. We were reading it earlier this year during the Australian wildfires. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Reading it during the California wildfires. Yeah, exactly. So we yeah. read Dasha's book during the Australian wildfires. Then. Yeah. We read Breyer's book during the opening weeks of lockdown in the United States. And then we read Cold Fire the week of George Floyd's murder. So that was also pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. also the California wildfires for Cold Fire as well. And it's yeah. just like, what is happening? We picked a great year to start this series. Yeah. What I think is really wild is you two started Tortolan Nights and then hit the Emelon books just in time for all of those things to line up yeah. we decided that we wanted to do this podcast this year and then there's circle of friendship which decided not too long before us that they wanted to do a podcast about the circle of magic books and so somehow all of us across the country just decided you know what would be great for 2020 is to read Tamara Pierce yeah, it was funny. There's a couple of other Tortalin or Tamara Pierce podcasts that they didn't start at the same time, but it was like in the same era of, of time that we were working on stuff. And I feel like it's one of those things that there's a real resurgence of wanting to go back to comforting things in the world. Similar times. <laughs> a simpler time. But like there is a desire to like go back to what we enjoyed when we were younger, you know, whatever, and sort of revisit what about those things hooked into your heart at a young age or what can you get from them now? I always love it. I love that people are talking about all of these books more. For me, the circle of magic has always been one of my comfort series. And that's part of the reason I've read them several times is if I'm upset, if there's something going on, I need a book that I can reach to that I know is just going to kind of make me feel better somehow. These are the books that do that for me. So it's been really nice for me to do this because 2020 has been a wild ride of a year. The series has given me some stability, but also in a weird way feels almost like 
a guidebook for 2020 mm. because there are so many bizarre things that line up. Brittany and Goodwin know know that Breyer's book is about a pandemic, so that's going to be just a really interesting read. Uh, yeah. Well, and I'd be curious what you guys think about it, reading it, because I, I don't I don't know about you guys, but like I feel differently now about it than I did in April. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that'll be interesting. As I was thinking about Breyer's book and you were asking us earlier whether there's anything we wish we could see more of. And I wish we could see Breyer put more of his nefarious thief skills to use more of the time. I don't know. Did anybody else read Mercedes Lackey as a kid? Okay, so that would be me. like Skiff. Skiff has a very similar background to Briar, and when he joins the sort of order of protectors of the realm, part of what he does with that is use his housebreaking and pickpocketing skills in mm-hmm. the service of what's going on. So I feel like there's not a lot of moments where Briar is like, okay, I'm going to help my family by whatever, knowing about yeah. thievery or et cetera. Yeah. I think we only have two instances in the entire circle quartet, and one of which is Amory. That is Mm. one of the only times we see it. And that is something that does frustrate me, is we do see a lot of his interactions with other street rats. We know that he's still... Yeah. Especially later. We, We do see that he's still immersed in that culture, and he is still on it and he still knows what he's doing. He just either chooses not to do it or is too stealthy to be picked up. That's true. We don't yeah. know if he's getting away with it the whole time and we just don't know about it. Yeah. yeah. I feel yeah. similarly about Triss. She has a whole background before she came to Circle. And most of what we see in the fallout of that shows up in her interpersonal relationships and whether or not she is willing to trust people. Spoiler alert, usually she's not. Um, <laughs> yep. We don't Can't see a lot of moments suck. where she like is able to use the knowledge she gained as part of a important merchant family. In the same way that we see Daja use her knowledge as a member of the trader community or that Sandry's noble heritage comes up over and over again. That's a really good point. I actually have a slight theory about that. Whereas Sandry doesn't run from her nobility. She doesn't flaunt it around, but she does use it when needed. Um, Pulls it out of her scabbard and is like, excuse me, I am Lady Sandrine Fatorin and you will do what I say. It's one of my favorite (laughs) things about her. (laughs) And Daja, she has so much history and so much culture that has been more or less bred and beaten into her that it's hard to separate, even though she is not a part of it anymore. Briar and Triss are both running from it. Briar gives up his life as a thief to come to the temple. And or after he gets there. <laughs> well, yeah, you know. I'm following. I'm following your point. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, no, no, no. You're good. Uh, and then Triss is moved there. They both have found that they have a new start. So they're less likely to use the skills that they have. They haven't come to terms fully with their past. Mm. And so it's kind of that, not necessarily running from it, but kind of avoiding it. Whereas Sandry's like, this has been me my entire life. 
I'm going to do what I want and y'all have to listen to me because technically I outrank you. Um, <laughs> I think it's a good point that Briar and Triss are both have a different relationship with their past than mm-hmm. Sandry and Daja. But I also like part of what I'm hungry for is that we see Sandry and Daja come to a cohesive relationship with their past. They integrate yes. it into the new version of themselves in a way that I don't think we see Briar and Triss do. And mm-hmm. that if Triss were to entirely reject her past, she would feel comfortable wearing pants or dedicate herself to the temple or yeah. go whatever uh build a mage castle with nico and like we never see her again whatever you know what i mean but like she hasn't integrated her past and her future selves i feel like and i'm a little hungry for that is what i'm trying to say joan and i talked a bit in some of our episodes about how both tris and briar have unlearning to do and i think briar a lot of it and briar we talked especially about the kind of weird feeling that we got whenever Rose Thorn, especially would correct Briar's grammar or like refer to his past in a, not a demeaning way, but you sound like a gutter rat when you talk like right. that, you wouldn't think that you had been trained in the winding circle temple or something. And it's like, okay, Rosie, put the brakes here, kiddo. <laughs> like, eh. and I think also Triss has those moments with Lark later in the, in the series where like, her merchant training and some of her slightly more intolerant views kind of spill out of her mouth. And Lark is like, no, 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 no. Poor people don't live in slums because they want to, Triss. It's because the system at play keeps them there. So don't come to me talking like that merchant girl. I really appreciate that those moments are included where the melding of the past and future selves isn't cohesive yet and it's still a work in progress but i agree like i would love to see tris and briar and everyone else like five years down the line after will of the empress and be like look at you fine upstanding humans look at you taking over the world they'd be in their 20s that's a horrible thought what yeah they'd be like 23 they'd be like people what (laughs) I just had a birthday like four days ago, so I'm feeling super ancient and my knees hurt. And I'm like, (laughs) I know that feeling. I know that feeling well. (laughs) I was in middle school when Shattered Glass came out and Mm. my friend bought it and she read it and I borrowed it from her as soon as she was done. And I was like, I'm so excited to see the kid that Tris teaches. And my friend is like, it's not a kid. He's like an old man. Then I reread it again. He's like 31. Oh, I don't think in his 20s. <laughs> when I was 14, I'm like, he's an old man. And then yeah. I read it again in college. And it was like, he's like 19. I was like, like this, is a, this is a young man. We did talk about that. We were like, he is whatever, a young man. He's had a career. Some stuff has happened to him. And here's this very bossy 14-year-old. Who's like, now you listen to what I'm going to tell you to do. Lightning coming out of her hair. I actually have a question. This is just more for personal entertainment. Great. So the, the only person we know the exact age on is Nico. 
Um, we have a little bit of a, a discrepancy on our ideas of how old Frostpine and Rosethorn and Lark are, especially. Mm. How do you picture them in age-wise? I definitely picture Lark and Rosethorn as being like 30, 31 in the beginning of the series. When the kiddos are 10 and 11. Right. We know that Lark has had time to sort of travel the world in her previous (laughs) career. But we also know that part of why she left that career was that she started to experience some physical symptoms that made it impossible for her. So I don't think she can be any younger than like 28, 29. And I think based on what Rose Thorne goes on to do, that is strenuous enough. I think it makes it very difficult to argue that Rose Thorne is in her 40s at the beginning of the story because by Mm. the time she's doing this stuff at the end of the story that would put her in her mid-50s and that's wild maybe that's what's happening but they would be wild (laughs) yeah yeah I think I I agree and I think it's definitely like the first time I read them whenever you're 10 or 11 like anyone over the age of 18 in a book is suddenly as ancient as the sea yeah um I picture at least Larkin Rosethorn early 30s at the beginning of the series I think Frostpine is described as having like he's a bald head and a big white shock of hair which a is amazing I would probably put him in his 40s at the beginning maybe um hair is black in the first one is it no it's black all right I'm fucking wrong (laughs) it's definitely white by cold fire yes like which is a also hilarious that it just goes completely white in the span of like three or four years. Clearly I don't remember shit. I'm not surprised that it goes white. I mean, after he starts teaching Dasha. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Everything that goes on in those books plus teaching Dasha just. Yeah. (laughs) I still think Frostbind feels a little older to me just because like he also has lived this entire life. I do not remember Nico's exact age, but Nico also feels older to me. What? 53. At the beginning of the story? 53. I think it's mentioned in the second book. Yes. It's mentioned in Trisha's book and in Daja's book. That is a lot. That is a lot. But also Nico isn't running around doing the legwork. He's just traveling around like a man of leisure, like at academic conferences. Stroking his mustache thoughtfully. He's like a tenured academic going around to all the conferences being like, yes, here's my very important paper. Um, I always forget he has a mustache. They all have mustaches. And he is a learned man in the Tamar Pierce universe. Of course he is. Of course. You must have a a, a mustache. Um, Mine has a mustache. In the Tortal books, especially the ones written in the 80s, as soon as the boys come of age, they all have mustaches. And I'm like, this is Everybody. So dis- this is personally I, distressing to me. I think I you told me your strategy about- is we you, you're just like, yes, mustache and therefore also a beard. And also a beard. I just imagine like with. full facial hair because just the mustache is a very aggressive move with your facial yes. hair. Very Burt Reynolds. I believe Nico has just the mustache. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. no, no, percent. No. Yeah, definitely. But also of a man of that age, apparently, I can picture it slightly more with Nico. So yeah, I feel like the rest of them like early thirties, Frostpine, yeah. maybe in his mid thirties, late thirties, and then they 
age as they go. That's how I've yeah. always read it, anyway, for what it's worth. Yeah. I think the general consensus was that age-wise, it's Lark sitting about 29 to 31, Rose Thorn about 33, Frostpine between 38 and 40, and then I think that was what our general consensus is. Uh, correct that me sounds if I'm good wrong. to me. Yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I'm just always curious to kind of see every this time is someone. The kind of thing where I'm like thinking about this differently now that I, because like I actually know people who are 53, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, okay, so some actual people that I know who are 33 and some actual people that I know are 53, and they all have a cooperative where they're raising traumatized children together. <laughs> and what is that like? With magic. Yeah. <laughs> I'd read that series. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you, my friend, it seems like you have. Yeah. <laughs> More than once. More than once. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, is there anything else that you ladies would like to add? No, I just think... It's always exciting to talk to other people who are curious about the books and would like to talk about them and what happens in them and how that relates to our experiences. I think that's what has been cool for us about our project. And we hope that's true for you guys, too. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that. The older I get, the more people I find who either love these books forever or discovering them for the first time or being pulled into a podcast to read them for the first time. And it is such a far cry from when I first started reading these books as a wee little 12 year old and being like your circle of friends and, you know, two people have read Tamara Pierce and that's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. But, but now because of podcasts like this and the internet and whatever, et cetera, et cetera, like now there's so many more people that we can find that love these books as much as we do. And I, I just love it. It has just now occurred to me Tell that me. you guys are four and you have three uh, probably ladies and one probably man. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. did, on purpose? Yes. 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 Okay. Amazing. Did you map yourselves onto the four of them? Yes. yes. I'm Sandry. <laughs> okay. Uh, I am uh, literally working on fabric art as we speak because amazing. I cannot sit still. Amazing. I am Briar. <laughs> I have green things constantly. Wonderful. Um, I'm, I'm actually fluid, so I mean, sometimes lady works. <laughs> gotcha. I, so. I was like, probably, I'm not sure. We already know Goodwin's Gorse, but like, do you have another? Daja, yeah. Okay. For sure. Uh, I like guns and steel and fire. <laughs> Just so. a random gun. To just go get the prop for the bit because in which case, no, uh, well done. I, I, I've been. Uh, sure, let's go with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, went, I went to go get that. I didn't have it in my desk the entire time. Oh no, I meant just like for the moment. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that obviously makes me trist. <laughs> yeah, my girl. <laughs> the other thing that makes me Briar is this box right here. 
that is full of plant concoctions. Is the other one has like it's buried under wigs and books, but it's got a billion different types of herbs. So Amazing. this is what I do. I make tea. Delightful. And it's yeah. good tea. It's really and, good tea. And an important thing to note about our podcast is that between books, we do a sacred reading kit release. We raffle it off based on like listeners who write in or post our stuff. And uh, you get some tea from Indy and you get a blanket from me because I'm constantly making them and a copy of a book and some pens and stuff. That's awesome. That's (laughs) super cool, y'all. Man, Joan is much craftier than I am. I am the least crafty person. But you dance. That is true. (laughs) That is important. (laughs) I can cheer people on. That's about it. Hey, you know. Okay. (laughs) Listen, let me tell you. If you ever need a cheerleader, if you ever need someone in the your knife corner, is, the knife really you, makes it. Oh, their tongues. <laughs> if you ever need someone in your corner telling you, you've got this, you're amazing. <laughs> I'm so proud to know you. You are so wonderful and fantastic. Brittany is that person. I have known Brittany for almost 10 years. And it's a hell of an endorsement, Brittany. <laughs> this is what I told Molly. And Molly has very quickly figured out i was right yes half of the stuff that i've done in my life in the last decade Mm -hmm. would not have happened without britney the (laughs) stories that i've written she she might not like all of them but she has positive things to say about them even if she doesn't i run a small time film production company Mm. so we go out we make movies and this that and the other and she's always been like, do it. I'm excited. Like, I want to see it. Like, um, awesome. So like this. It's rad that as hell, is what, y'all. That is what she does. She is the best goddamn cheerleader you will ever fucking find. Yeah. I will die on that hill. Yeah. <laughs> I am passionate about bringing it around. God damn it. Amazing. Love it. I feel like, Brittany, this means Goodwin is wearing Daja, but is actually a gorse. And you're wearing Triss, but you're actually more of a lark. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You, I don't know. We've only just met each other. We're um, feeling it out. We're feeling it out. Thank you guys so much for talking to us. Yeah, thank you guys it for having us. It has been a us. pleasure it was to fun. have you with us. Maybe I love we can talk again when we get further into the series. Yeah. I Listen. do want to know what you guys think about the murders. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure they're bad. The murders. Listen, <laughs> I love talking, it, so. <laughs> it, it would be fun to kind of revisit this after we do the circle opens, I feel. like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we we hit a point where, unfortunately, we hadn't finished the Circle of Magic, so it, it we can't cover all of it, obviously. But I feel if we, when we finish uh, the Circle Opens, I think it would be really neat to kind of come back and revisit it, especially with 
this being the first time that Goodwin and Brittany have read it. And I haven't read the Circle Open series in a while. That's where I was coming at it when when we did our Circle Opens episodes. I was like, mm, I've read these once and it was maybe 10 years ago. Also, yeah. I think Indy has not read the last three books. I have not. But I cannot oh, wait yeah. to be gifted that well-loved copy. Yep. It's waiting for you. <laughs> we have decided that once we get to Will of the Empress, I get her well-loved old copy. What order are you guys I, reading them in? Publication order. Okay. Because it's a journey. I am, it's a journey. I am very adamant about reading them in publication order. I mean, we did the same thing. I'm, yeah. That's why we're asking, because for those last three, could go either way. So long for the ride. Brittany's like, listen, I just came out to have a good time, so here we are. I'm just handcuffed to this carriage. I'm just being dragged along. Goodwin can't leave, so... Like, but he yeah, he's stuck. We let him have his gun. Very cool. All right, everybody. Thank you for yeah. coming with us. This was thanks, fun. Thanks so much. Um, y'all should probably plug your stuff before y'all go for our listeners. Yeah. yeah. You can find us at tortlepodcast.com or as we said earlier, we are on social media at a chorus line, C-O-R-U-S. And we have episodes for each one of the circle books and each one of the turtle books um, and a couple more coming out shortly. And we hope to see you around. Send us your theories too. We love theories. Catch us on Twitter. Yeah. 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 It has been a pleasure having you guys. Thank you for agreeing to come on. This has been so much fun. Thank you. It's been fun. Everybody, have an amazing evening. You too. too. Bye. 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 Reading Circle Temple is produced by us, Molly, Brittany, Indy, and Goodwin. If you like listening, tell your friends about us. If you don't like listening, tell your enemies. Please tell us what you think of the Circle of Magic by emailing us at templeofreadingcircle at gmail.com or join our Reading Circle Temple Facebook group. You can find more of Reading Circle Temple at readingcircletemple.com or find Reading Circle Temple on Tumblr. And thanks to Yellow is for Happy for our artwork. You can find more of their artwork on Tumblr at Yellow is for Happy Draws or on Instagram at Shannon and Draws. Also, thanks to Britain's brother, Thomas Dick, for our theme music. You can find more of his music by following Thomas Dick on SoundCloud. Thanks to Tamara Pierce for writing The Circle of Magic. And thanks to you for listening. Let's all have coffee next week. that I'm really proud of us that we were able to go I'm Sandra with the fabric and then I'm Briar with the plants and I'm Dasha with the gun and they were like oh my god uh, that was I not even it. that was not planned we didn't uh, yeah. plan that no these are just things that I keep on my but look at them they're new I'm so excited this is just things I keep at my desk. I don't know. See, no. Brittany, 
You missed an opportunity. You could have had a clapper. Just. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/pack for free shipping and three hundred and sixty-five day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.